And now, a special report from the owner and general manager of Channel 8, R.J. Fletcher. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I come before you tonight to speak on a matter which is of grave concern to us all. We here at Psychosemantic will be occasionally interjecting some commentary or whatever you want to call it about the election process, things that have happened, uh, the way things are changing, you know, reports from the debates, takes on the debates and how the debates have gone and what's going on with candidates. Of course, there's going to be more talk about the Democrats than the Republicans because I think there are, although there's a lot of talk about Republicans wanting to primary the sitting resident, they probably won't. Some states have even talked about not holding primaries just in case, even though that they have full confidence. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, things like the Libertarian Green Party and those uh, those folks aren't having their candidates picked until something like uh, almost a year from now. Anyway, I'm going to toss it over to the lovely Bo Ransdell reporting from first two days of the Democratic debates uh, down in Miami, Florida. Before we toss it over to Bo, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And the 20 top Democrat candidates started off. And I will say that so far, none of the debates have regressed like the 2016 GOP debates into arguing over whose dick is bigger. Talk to you soon. The Iowa caucus is in February. It's very far away, but there's going to be a lot happening. And now, some real reporting. Bo Ranstall. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. Hey there, everybody. It's Bo. You may know me from podcasts. Anyway, Look, uh, we have 20 Democratic candidates to evaluate on this all-important bullshit scale, so let's not dally. First night of the debates for the Democratic nominee were a pre-show for the one everyone wanted to watch. Aside from Elizabeth Warren, nobody could give a shit who these people are. I watched every second, and I don't give a shit. Speaking of shit, John Delaney was there. A former congressman from Maryland, his legislative focus has been on infrastructure spending and veteran health. There, I just told you more about Delaney than NBC did during the debate. Come to think of it, it's more than Delaney said, too. Don't worry about remembering him, because he's done. Next! New York Mayor Bill de Blasio was on stage. I don't know why he doesn't poll better. He's one of the most progressive mayors New York City's ever had, and I'm on board because he's focused on de-escalation training for New York cops. He's a little goofy, though, so he's probably done, and certainly did nothing in the debates to make a name for himself. So, sorry, Bill. Tim Ryan gave himself a memorable moment when he set Tulsi Gabbard up for a dunk on, that's right, Tim Ryan, when he suggested American military forces should continue engagement in Afghanistan, which veteran Tulsi Gabbard jumped on. When Ryan then mistakenly said the Taliban attacked on 9-11, 
Gabbard corrected him on that in the bitchiest, debatiest way possible, which is exactly what she should have done. If you're not capable of taking shots on this stage, you don't deserve the White House, so, so long, Tim Ryan. And Tulsi Gabbard did score some points for Duncan on Tim Ryan, but that's like Billy Madison proudly stomping his schoolmates in basketball. It's an easy win. Gabbard has some strength on military affairs, but she is haunted by some unfortunate stances on LGBTQ issues in the past, which is enough to disqualify her for the nomination in this fired-up and progressive base. So, sorry Tulsi, maybe next time. Amy Klobuchar had the best answer on guns all night long in terms of general election response, which is unfortunate because everything else she said landed with a thump. Still, whoever gets the nomination should swipe her Uncle Ed routine for the general. She said that any gun legislation she considers passes through a filter where she asks herself if it would negatively impact her uncle who just likes to hunt deer. If it doesn't affect him, it's probably good legislation. That suggests nuance and it soothes the darker fears of responsible gun owners. Hopefully, this will be her contribution to the presidential campaign because it ain't going to be her candidacy. Julian Castro is a twin, and that's creepy. Next! Jay Inslee is the governor of Washington State, and he seems like a genuinely good guy. His primary focus is climate, which you know if you hear him speak for five consecutive seconds. I like him, but he looks like a meatball sub brought to life, and he ain't gonna make the cut. Sorry, Jay, you're doing the Lord's work. Keep it up. Cory Booker. I like Cory Booker. He's a guy who actually went into a burning house to save somebody. That's straight-up Superman shit but he can't seem to communicate his message in a clean and concise way, and Rosario Dawson, his gal pal, should have told him to can the Spanish. Actually, unless you are Julian Castro or Beto O'Rourke, knock that shit off. It's pandering, and it looks and sounds awful. I wish Booker had a better campaign manager and a clearer message. He could be a contender, but he didn't land in the first debate. And Beto. Beto, Beto, Beto. Look, I know people love Beto, but he is the failed candidate of a race against Ted Cruz, a man so unlikable direct sunlight will not strike him. I've never been sold on this guy. He's a second-rate populist, and he was surprisingly ineffective in his discussion of immigration, which should be a slam dunk considering his El Paso, Texas roots. Thanks for playing, Beto, but it's real politics, not this Texas bullshit, and you aren't cutting it. Which leaves us with the final debater from the first night, Elizabeth Warren. She had the same message since before she was in politics or the Senate. She strikes me as genuine, and she is way out front on policy and plans. She's the strongest person on stage the first night, and I wish she'd been able to mix it up with more of the A-listers on night two. So, I have that to look forward to, I suppose. Moving forward, Warren was the only candidate from night one that should be a real challenger in this mix. But night two brought us more of the frontrunners. Grandpa Joe Biden and grumpier great-uncle Bernie were side-by-side, side looking like Statler and Waldorf come to life. Bernie I like because he's a cranky old man who's sick of privatized healthcare and the richest 1%, and I'm on board. I also want a candidate who still controls his prostate, so sorry, Bernie, you're just going to have to remain our curmudgeonly senator from Vermont. Also, everyone stole your positions, so welcome to the world of cultural appropriation. Grandpa Joe went into the debate as the frontrunner, but after Senator from California Kamala Harris tattooed him on a civil rights record, especially his belief that segregationist busing should be left up to the states, Biden looks weaker than other 76-year-old men. He is 76, which means if elected, he would take office when he's 77 and finish his first term at the age of 81. Thanks, but no thanks, Gramps. You were a great VP. Time to hang it up. 
and that my time is up moment sounds like surrender grandpa joe his closing statement helps some but he's bleeding and there are sharks in these waters like california congressman eric swalwell who insisted on saying things like i want to break up with putin and make up with nato ugh next entrepreneur andrew yang built his campaign on universal basic income and there are interesting arguments to be made around that topic but he was magnetically repelling interest and enthusiasm when the cameras strained on him. Fortunately, the moderators were smart enough not to turn to him too often. Sorry, Andrew, but keep that UBI flag flying. Michael Bennett is a congressman from Colorado, and he's a great senator. Really, he's been strong on gun control for years and has advanced legislation to help senior health care, especially LGBTQ seniors. Oh, and he helped champion the ACA or Obamacare. He seems to genuinely want to help people. He didn't make much of a splash and doesn't appear to hang at the presidential level, but he's a good guy and deserves your attention and money if you're looking to help someone get elected. To the Senate, I mean. Bennett worked for his opponent, John Hickenlooper, in Denver as chief of staff when Hickenlooper was mayor there. Hickenlooper seems to be aiming for the middle, which may play great in the general, but it makes him look out of touch in these primary debates. Hickenlooper. I just like saying it. Also, he's a little too meek and mild to shoulder his way into the conversations between the frontrunners. He's a good guy, maybe not right for this job. And Marianne Williamson. Holy shit. I mean, this was amazing. Williamson is a hippy-dippy self-help writer, and she looked every bit the part. The best moment of the night came when she answered a question about who she would call as president first, and she chose New Zealand. No one in the history of anything outside of Lord of the Rings locations has ever thought about New Zealand first for anything. Williamson said she wanted to tell the Prime Minister, It's on, girlfriend, in some sort of best-place-to-raise-children-arms race. It was bizarre and wonderful and in no way presidential, so so long, Marianne, and enjoy the circle of love ceremony at the retreat this fall when the real candidates are campaigning. New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand has some good ideas, but her campaign completely lacks focus. In light of her Me Too work, you think she'd be all in on women's rights and health, but that gets lost in her somewhat rambling responses to policy questions on a range of topics. Again, good senator, bad presidential candidate. Sorry, Senator Gillibrand. For me, these last two represent the best candidates on the stage. Mayor Pete Buttigieg had the toughest question of the night when asked about the racially charged police shooting in South Bend, Indiana, the town where he serves as mayor. He did not deflect, and he was sincere and eloquent. Also, the look he gave Eric Swalwell when that dunderhead dared shout at him to fire the chief of police was the very definition of a death stare. If you've heard people use that term and never knew what it referenced, please find the moment in the debate to inform yourself. I thought Buttigieg was conversational and well-informed and humble, and that stare. I like him, but he may skew young. He, he's my current pick as a VP nominee. I love him for that pick. And then we come to Senator Kamala Harris of California. She owned that stage. Like Warren the night before, when she talked, people listened. Her back and forth with Biden was the highlight of the debate, and she made herself a legitimate frontrunner. If she has a couple more performances like that, she's going to start to erode Bernie and Biden's numbers. She woke some people up, including some of the people on that debate stage. She's for real, and if you're uncomfortable with her prosecutorial past, she is going to use that angle to claim she's the one to stand across from Trump on a general election debate stage. Her toughness and sense of justice, she will argue, is why she should be there. I don't think that's a bad move at all. So that's it. We have some sincerely good candidates, and I'm eager to see what comes next. In the meantime, if you want to disagree with me, or just tell me how right I am, 
you can contact me at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. You know, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, and we'll talk again when... I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We now return to our regular program schedule. Disagree, I know that I have earned this. Damn it, I deserve this. Do not fuck with me, it's my special time. And I'll seize this opportunity show them what it means to me to be king shit just for a minute, then just disappear. And with passion and no talent, self righteously and gallantly, I'll step away and everyone will know it. 